Hey, this is Hero Joe, and I never listened to the Order 66 podcast. I am Darth Pseudonym. Something, something, never listen. Something, something, Order 66 podcast. Ratings. I am Praetorite Vorash La of the Yuzan Vong, and we never listen to the Order 66 podcast. Even though our race reveals pain, there's a limit on how far we're willing to go. Execute Order 66. This overdue episode of the Order 66 podcast is brought to you by, in part, by our sponsors, GoDaddy.com, ThinkGeek.com, and Buy.com. Well, boys and girls, it is uh, an hour plus later than we had planned on starting this show, but we are started. Thank you to everyone who stuck around through this. This is episode 71 of the Order 66 podcast for, I don't know, this is Tuesday, June the 30th, 2009 or something like that, and (laughs) I am GM Dave. What is up, Gamer Nation? I am GM Chris. And uh, I'm I'm <clears throat> I have a frog in my throat, but I will clear it. Froggy, um, froggy, froggy. And with us, of course, is uh, the incomparable uh, Twi'lek goodness. Incomparable. Incomparable. It's my new favorite word. Awesome. Awesome sauce. Yeah. And for those of you who may be uh, walking into this room for the very first time, this is of course the Order sixty six podcast, the only fan generated podcast entirely devoted to the glory that is. The greatest D20 role-playing system ever created, <laughs> Star Wars Saga Edition. Yeah, that. Right. All right, yeah, so that. you know what? Yeah. Uh, what? I've had uh, computer problems out the wazoo for the I last... I know, man. Uh, I'm glad we're up, though. Two weeks, and I, you know, obviously it, it, it croaked out like right before I went on vacation, and I took one of the laptops, I took the laptop with me to the Bahamas and managed to... Thank God for little screwdrivers that they let you take with you, because I was <laughs> able to do some open heart surgery, <laughs> and I got that laptop working again. That's Thank impressive. God, but yeah, it was just one of those deals, man. I had to dude, reboot. How, how was the Bahamas, dude? Bahamas was fantastic, man. You guys that are my friends on Facebook, you can see all the pictures up on there. Uh, we had a blast. It was an absolute blast. I would. Highly recommend anyone with the means to do so to go to the Bahamas and stay at the Atlantis and all that that is. My gosh, it's so fantastic. Do a little day cruise, go out to a private island, do some snorkeling, get a waterproof camera. Okay, so I understand you ran over a tiger shark on your jet ski. I did. I did, actually. My uh, my daughter and I, this is my favorite part of the vacation, by the way. It was just me and my daughter out in the ocean jet skiing. We were about a mile offshore. And... 
she was kind of trailing me on the right, and she said that she saw what she thought was a dolphin swimming along with my jet ski. And she and then she looked and she saw she said dolphins don't have in her mind anyway, she said dolphins don't have three fins on the back. And they don't. They just have the one dorsal fin. Right. Tiger sharks, however, have three dorsal fins. And she said that she saw the three fins and she saw black stripes on the top of the of the shark, and that is unequivocally a tiger shark. Yes, sir, it is. And all of a sudden, she just peeled off and went straight back to shore, and I and I had no idea why she had done that. She told me later, "You ran over a shark." Oh. Yeah, and so apparently, yeah, I had a tiger shark swimming with me for a little bit, and then, um, yeah, but it was uh, it was something else, man. So it smelled fresh meat. It did. <laughs> it did. Uh. Yes, Shadow Star, we jumped the shark. Thank you very much. <laughs> Hey, eventually the podcast will get to that point, too. Hi! Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I don't get it. <laughs> before your time, youngin. Before your time. Yeah. I'm sure. So anyway, the vacation was great, and it was great, and everything was great, and everything was great. And with That's that... That's great! Yeah, great. That's great. That's great. I'm, I'm glad, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that things are great. Good. New acquisitions. Greetings, Gamer Nation. My designation is KCK Sim, and this is your Hollow News Net update. All right, I want to say uh, hello to Echo Base, all 77 of you who have been hanging out, waiting for us to get started. I appreciate it more than anything you know. We Very really cool. like it. Very nice. Very nice. And uh, we've got a lot happen uh, over the uh, D20 radio community in the two weeks that we have been off air. Um, have we not? Uh, yeah, a little bit here and there. Just a, it's just been a, pretty just, active. Just a, just a tad here and there. Um, first and foremost, and, and guys, if, if you haven't heard it yet, please go take a listen to one of the newest podcasts on D20 Radio's network, The Minus World. Um, after blowing our minds with three introductory episodes all about E3, Jake and Dylan are back with video game madness to talk the talk of one of the most beloved and reviled game characters in history, the rise and fall of the mighty Hedgehog. Hedgehog. Yes. Are we talking about Sonic? Sonic? Yeah, Sonic. Yeah, Sonic and Hedgehog. I played until my fingers bled. Yeah, but... I had the little game Genesis. Oh. oh, yeah, but it was not the summer of 69. Oh, yes. Oh, man, how I wish I had access to all my sound files right now. <laughs> if only. Mm. If only. But we have uh, another new podcast to have hit our, uh, our networks recently. Have we not? Um, yeah, Department 7. Those guys have two episodes up there now, and they are all about D20 Modern. They have two new episodes up. Yeah, that's what I meant to say. Did I say just two? Yes. So they have, like, episode two and three up. Yeah, okay, two new episodes is what I meant to say, because episode two was Fast Heroes and episode three, Strong Heroes. And so Agent Vincent, Keith, and Rick are all in it 
to tell you guys that D20 Modern is rocking and rolling. And it'll rock your socks off if you let it. But Dave, I thought Department 7 doesn't exist. No, it doesn't exist. Just like nobody listens oh. to our show. No, it doesn't right. exist. Nobody listens to our show and, and Department 7 doesn't exist. So there we That's go. That's right. Department what? I don't... Yeah, it did. Yeah, really, it doesn't. Yeah, we, yeah. we just... Yeah, we yeah, understand. That's yeah. it. No problem. So, don't worry about it. Okay. And okay, and through my technical meltdown, we, we did a show, uh, I did a show with Fiddleback before I left um, on uh, Sweater, Star mm. Wars The Old Republic. This is the uh, Holocron, episode number 14. And uh, we called it like a week show for a week update or something like that. I forgot what it was. It was, I mean, Bioware has given us two really weak ass updates in a row. And so we, uh, <laughs> you know, we didn't have very much of a show. So, uh, you know, hey, we wanted to put up a show, even though there was no chat room, there was no nothing because my laptop was still crapped out at that point. But at least I got my big computer working so that I could do that one. So, well, we're glad you did. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> Oh, here we go again. But um for those of you in the well, for those of you in the chat room, you can enjoy the musings of a somewhat drunk Sith goddess in the chat yeah. room. Yes. And a somewhat sober and yet uh, you should see her when she's drunk, Twilight goodness on the podcast. <laughs> um yes, and uh meanwhile uh, meanwhile, uh, the Super Gaming Podcast uh, also returned to us this past week with Anime Glory. Mostly Joe uh, scored another unreal interview uh, with Alejandro Melkor, uh, author of the upcoming manga and mecha book for Mutants and Masterminds. And uh, they get a little old school with their anime fandom. Um, I, I learned a lot and, and remembered a lot in that episode. It was, it was very, very good. So, awesomely cool. Me likey. Yes, me likey a lot. I beat you to it. <laughs> All right, so and Game On, Game On, Game On has uh, like yeah, two more episodes out, too. They uh, they came out with episode number 24, which they entitled Unnatural Resources. I loved that episode. They went, uh, that's right, Catan, baby. Woohoo! Woohoo! Yeah. Some of my favorite type of board games. All the resource gathering board games. Very cool. Yeah, baby. Yeah, very, lots very of cool. stuff, lots of stuff. And then uh, 25, I think, that was called the uh, Terrible Twos. Yeah, it's and, all about, uh, uh, two, talk about player two player games. games. Yeah, so I haven't had a chance to catch up because they, they just hit my Zoom, and I had like nine podcasts hit my Zoom. Dave, that sounds just like an excuse to me. Monday. I've listened to like a couple, okay, but I'm, I was like four episodes behind on the instance, so I listened to those first. Well, as long as we know where your priorities are, buddy, that's fine. You know, I, I listen to the oldest stuff first. That's all it is. I'm, I'm catching up. Yeah. And also, of course, Radio Free Hamlet hit us up uh, a while back, uh, two weeks ago, after their earth-shattering interview with Lord Keith Earbaker himself uh, with Adventure 24, all about the recently released Eberron Player's Guide. And I drooled. Yeah, I he did. I, I did. Uh, TG was there with me when I went to go get the player's guide. Um, yes. Two weeks ago, we had a wonderful game day up at Reaper. And so we went up there and threw down some Star Wars and had some amazing board game time. And uh, on my way, I stopped and grabbed a copy of the player's guide. And uh, and I drooled all over it. There's a big stain. Nice. Yeah. It, it's kind of disgusting now, actually. It was a very beautiful book until Chris got a hold of it. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Contest, Dave. Contest. What is, oh, hey, what is, wait a second. Wait a today? second. 
I, I just wanted to point out to you, because I am kind yeah. of a butthead about this kind of thing, that one thing you won't hear is any new episodes of Cinematic Attic. And so this is a shot at you, Jam oh. Brev. Oh. Snap, he's calling you out, Brev. Ooh. And Jed. And Jed. And, and Jed. Jed. And Jed. I think more Jed than Brev. But, um, ooh, that's a snap. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. So, hey, there's like two days. Do you think days. Jed actually listens to the Order 66 Nobody podcast? listens. Nobody nope. listens. Nobody to listens to Nobody. it, but especially probably not Jed. No, but Brev never listens. Brev cannot tell Jed. Uh-huh. Yeah. No. Not going to happen. <laughs> All right. What, what day is today, Dave? Um... The Tuesday. day before Canada Day. CSI, no, NCIS is on oh. today. Today's Tuesday. Today's the 30th. This is the last day. Holy cow. Today, today is the last day. That's it. It's over. Done. Yes. As of midnight tonight, I will be going into our forums, and I will be locking the thread that, for uh, our Reaper contest. Now, have you guys seen some of the pics that have been posted up there? Is that midnight? Yeah. Um, is that midnight Eastern time? or Central. Midnight Central. Central Time. All right, so Central you have Central Standard Time. You have until um, you have about three hours. Yes, you have about three hours to get your stuff up if you still want it to. Um, again, the best. Uh, uh, and obviously, if you guys are just hearing about this now, it's a little late. But <laughs> uh, the best um, fantasy uh, paint job for on a Reaper Mini, and the best sci-fi slash Star Wars paint and conversion job on a Reaper Mini. And there's been some amazing stuff up there, man. I, I fall in love with um, with Darth Brooks, the, uh, the the Sith with the cowboy hat. Darth Brooks. It was great. <laughs> It was fantastic. There, there's been some great work, though, some really amazing stuff. And I know that um, we're going to be locking the thread. There's going to be about a week or so, maybe a little bit longer judging period. They really want to give it their due. Um, but we should hopefully have an announcement by uh, next podcast or maybe the week after. I know that uh, Brian over at Reaper is going to be out of town for a little while on business, um, but I know he's heading up the judging efforts over there. That's so. right. That's Reaper Brian from Denton, That's Texas. Re- Reaper Brian from Denton, Texas. So thank you all for submitting what you submitted. We've had some amazing stuff come up on that contest. And if you guys haven't seen the glory that is there, you should go to www.d20radio.com slash forum, and you should find it. It's there. It's a global announcement. It's beautiful. Yes. Find it. Find it. Find it. All right. So Origins has come and gone, hadn't it? Yeah, man. Origins came and went and... Um, Vader's son was- kicked his ass! <laughs> <laughs> He came and went, and Duncan kicked its ass, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh. oh, the mental image is just wonderful. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh God. Uh, big thank you to our very own Vader son on the forums, Duncan McEwen, for running uh, some awesome sauce-drenched Saga Edition games out there. And getting to shake hands with the Jedi Grandmaster himself, Mr. Rodney Thompson, who I understand Duncan said he was um, like super nice in real life, <laughs> in real and life. Uh, sounded just like he does on the podcast. Yeah, imagine that. Isn't that funny? <laughs> you know how when we went to Reaper, you know how people recognized us by our voice. They it could was hear- creepy. People yeah. would turn a corner and be like, "Huh? Oh, I hear this guy here on the radio." Huh? Right? Very funny. But the so origins has come and gone. Gen Con, however, cometh August twelfth through sixteenth. Cometh in an Indianapolis, Indiana, and I shall uh, not be there. You shall not be there, but I shall be there, as will TG um, and Cat. Oh, from uh, from Game On That's fame. Right. As oh, well as, uh, hey, apparently Sith Goddess is going to be there too. 
Really? That's fantastic. I'd look forward to meeting her. Along wow. with the like 20 other D20 Radioites that have confirmed they're going to be there. I am so freaking excited. It is going to be awesome. Now, for those of you who would like to know, because I've gotten some PMs asking, yours truly will be officially GMing uh, two Saga Edition RPGA games. On Friday from 1 to 6, and Saturday from 1 to 6, I will be GMing Murder Aboard the Executor, um, which is the RPGA Saga Edition module that's being run there. But I'm only GMing two RPGA slots under the express understanding to all of you that are going that I will also be running as many pickup games as I possibly humanly can on side tables in my hotel room. I don't care. Liar. Um, I I will have... um, But... Yeah, what? Well, I was just saying... As many as you can, which means there's a little asterisk in there that says contingent on the fact that my wife might need me to go to other events. Of course. Oh, I want oh, to enjoy thought... the con. Is that, why I'm, is that why I'm a liar? Yeah. Who? Yeah. Why? Who called you a liar? Nobody. Dave. Nobody did. I didn't, I didn't do it. Dave. I don't think anybody heard it at all, ever. Who Kat said I could go sleep in her room <laughs> uh, <laughs> while oh. you're doing your GM stuff in our room. <laughs> I get the royalties. Um, but uh, <laughs> we're going to have three wow. D20 radio modules up there. We are going to have The Secret of the Corellian Kite Hawk, uh, the module we introduced at ReaperCon. We're going to have the brand new uh, Legacy Era module, The Eye of Rishi, which is, will, Ooh, will have never been played before the con. And uh, Duncan has also tentatively agreed to uh, being coerced into running some games as well. And I, for one, am very anxious to play uh, The Death of the Star of Agnor, which he wrote and, uh, and GM the heck out of at Origins. So, very cool. But how, GM Chris, how, you're asking, can I be at Gen Con and be made aware of when and where these games will occur? It's so confusing. Well, sir, madam, yes. I, I have done the undoable. I have, I have succumbed to the unsuccumbable. I have agreed to the disagreeable. I have, despite my fervent rants, <laughs> repeated rants to the contrary... <laughs> been drawn deeper and deeper into the bowels of the evil known as social networking. And wow. a Twitter account has been created specifically for the use of Gen Con attendees who are members of the Gamer Nation. You can find me on Twitter right now, at GM Chris. All one word. This is a private channel, so go sign up and follow me. Remember, kids, you can get tweets to any mobile device. If it can get a text message, it can get a tweet. And there is yep. no better way for the entire legion of us to communicate at once. Yep. I and, and, and it works. So dude. now what, what everybody needs to do, once they sign up for your Twitter um, to follow you on Twitter, then they need to go and check out your Miley Cyrus MySpace page. However, on a serious note, I have gotten some PMs um, and some emails from people who have found out about this through the forums and said, you know, that have confidently said, co- uh, um, confidentially said, listen, you know, I don't want to post this up because I'm kind of embarrassed, but I, I don't know the first thing about Twitter or social networking. I don't even do text messaging on my phone. I have no idea what to do or how to do this. We have a, a, uh, a member of the Gamer Nation who has agreed to head up a Twitter education task force. Oh, boy. Our- yeah, that's all we need is another task force. <laughs> no, this will be our, our good friend, uh, GM Dom. On the forums, he is acetaminophen, uh, like the pain reliever. That's about to be certain- banned. He certainly is. 
Um, but no, seriously, he, he is a fantastic guy. If you've worked with him before, a lot of the guys on the forum have, and he has honestly agreed to say, listen, I will happily walk you through it step by step. If you don't understand Twitter, if you can't make it work, if you don't know how to make it work with your cell phone or send text to your cell phone or whatever, he will walk you through it. So he has volunteered his services. Go ahead and just PM him directly on our forums at d20radio.com slash forum. He will gladly help. Yeah. So go Dom. Thank you. Way to go, Dom. Yeah, Good man. Dom. Yeah. You're the man. You're the bomb diggity dude. <laughs> he is. He's All right. Awesome. Yeah. So speaking of that, man. Yeah. Communications like coming in from the interwebs and all that other stuff, like from other places, man. Yeah. Like, did you catch your first tube today, man, with a, something in the <laughs> postcard with the mailbox, you know, from Santa Claus? Actually, I did get a postcard, yes. Um, I got a, actually a, another uh, imperial postcard, um, uh, is, imperial issued postcard this week. And uh, beneath the efficient imperial stamp on, well, wrote is a rather flimsy paper, is printed a stylized close up of an arboreal world dotted with small lakes and a close up of a large black tower rising ominously from the surface. And the words on it read Welcome to Niraun, visitor. The Empire demands your obedience. You will most likely not leave here alive. Hmm. Isengard. Evans. From across the galaxy, it's time for postcards from Commander Cody. Dear GM Dive and GM Chris, hi guys. Apparently Emperor Palpatine was pleased with our last mission to make delivery to the hidden world of Wyland as well as our ability to stay quiet about it. Our unit has been given a new commission to become part of an elite task force that reports directly to His Excellency, the Emperor. He is calling us the Delivery Boys. I'm not sure what that acronym means, but I'm sure it's something terribly mysterious and terribly official. Our unit has even given our own ship. Not some clunky command ship or Star Destroyer, but a sleek and secretive cargo shuttle. Yeah! <laughs> It might be, uh, old, and, and have little to no armaments, but, uh, I know it'll help glide us through the wilds of the galaxy in a secretive manner. This week we're leaving known space to head to the unknown regions. I was a bit nervous at first, but the coordinates that seem to be in our navigational computer tell me that these areas of wild space might not be so unknown to the Empire. Why does that not surprise me? In fact, we've been loaded up with rations, machine parts, and various technical personnel, and we've headed out to the remote world of Niran. Niran is a primitive arboreal world with an extensive subterranean cave system. The planet is also inhabited by a pair of vermin-like cousin species, Quam Ja and the Quam Kwe. Living and roosting in the caves of Niran, as well as on the surface, these bat-like creatures seem to have a glimmer of intelligence, maybe even language. They're really nothing more than primitive vermin, clearly. There's no civilization here, except for one ancient structure. A massive black stone tower that looks so old, clearly couldn't have been built by the Empire. Although we're certainly using it now. <laughs> Maybe these strange natives once built it. Who knows? I second guess everything nowadays, especially upon seeing the Imperial forces we've encountered here. Most of them are aliens. A strange species, too, called the Chiss, which I've encountered before. Arrogant SLBs. Commander here is another Chiss, a Grand Admiral, no less. 
He's overseen the outfit of this ancient structure into a veritable fortress, with as much defensive armament as a Star Destroyer, even its own squadron of TIE Fighters. The few days we spent unloading equipment and supplies and taking on travelers for off-world transport have given me a small glimpse into this strange facility and its world. The tower, or Hand of Thrawn, which the ridiculously arrogant Grand Admiral named after himself, is truly massive. It spans not only hundreds of meters into the sky, but also a great ways underground, building itself into a massive cave complex. The technology here is a strange mix of Imperial Standard and what is no doubt Chiss technology. Just frustrates me to no end, I can tell you. If that arrogant SLB wasn't wearing the uniform of an Imperial officer, I'd have blasted him across the bulkhead of our ship, no doubt. Heh, <laughs> you don't mess with the delivery boys. <laughs> well, guys, uh, we're off. More adventure awaits. Talk to you soon. Long live the Empire! Your friend, Commander Cody. Very nice. You know, I, I haven't been to the uh, the unexplored regions very much, so uh, you know, it's good to get reports from out there. You know, right? Yeah, yeah. TG, have you uh, have you traveled much to the outer rim at all? Any any of the you know the any of the areas of wild space? You know? No, I'm I'm a bit of a homebody. I kind of like staying on Earth, frankly. Hmm. 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 All right. With that. This is metal, PNX, not penis, PNX. And I never listen to the Order 66 podcast because GM Dave and GM Chris are part of the global conspiracy to make sure that the Detroit Red Wings don't win too many Stanley Cups. I think that's why. I don't know. Twenty docking bay hosers. When it don't be making sense, we be making sense of it. Do do do. Bum 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 bum. All right. So, <laughs> being Wimbledon, we're gonna start with an email from a guy named James Court. Ooh, clever segue. Nice, you know, because <laughs> this is the Fortnite. Yes, indeed. Thank All right. You. you know, Federer is like ridiculous, like 68 and 1 in his last 69 matches or something on grass. Good grief. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Anyway. Okay, so Mr. Court here has several questions for us. And I think of the seven that he sent, I think I'm going to touch on two. Maybe three. <laughs> First, okay. He says to start it off and to grease the wheel so we read all seven questions, he says just a word saying <laughs> I love the show. Congrats on your Ennies nomination. I have three questions that are easy, but uh, been bugging me ever since the beginning of SWESE, and I have some others. Okay, great. Wonderful. Speaking of the Ennies, before we get Speaking started. Speaking of. July 13th is the day that they apparently will announce the finalists for the awards and if we are so finalized fan voting will begin i believe on the 21st i believe so so we will be back in touch 
obviously. If Keep we, your fingers crossed. Yeah, if we happen to make the last top five or whatever, you know. Yeah. And for those who are, who are unaware, there there are I believe what ten nominations. I'm not sure. I, I honestly and don't know. There's there's a bunch. There's I, there's a bunch. I, I think there was right around ten nominations in the podcast category uh, this year. And um, and that's just what I know of from the RPG podcasters that subscribe to a Usenet that I belong to. Yeah. So we were guessing that we were, we're guessing that it's going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of twenty because some people are going to nominate and not say that they were nominated. So. Yeah. Yeah, we'll so, see. Yeah, but we 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 obviously with the criterion we sent off our best five episodes, which you guys helped us decide on the forums. Thank you very much. And uh, from that, the judges will determine the top five, and at that point, it goes to the community. So. Uh, keep your fingers crossed, Gamer Nation, and uh, may the force be with us. That's right. No blades, no bows. Leave your weapons here. Okay. All right. James Let's... Court, questions. Court, court, court. Assuming a player has the pin feat and successfully mm-hmm. pins an opponent who is now effectively helpless, can another player attempt to coup de gras the enemy? even though he's technically being grappled by the first player. Uh, I don't know. Okay, this is a toughie. And honestly, um, James, it depends on how nasty you want to get as a GM. So first, let's let's talk basics. Um, a coup de gras, for those following along in your storybooks, uh, is a, a nasty attack option found on page 154 of the core rulebook. Um, as a full round action, made against a helpless creature or a droid adjacent to you, you automatically score a critical hit, and if that reduces them to zero hit points, they die instantly. All right, it's, a, it's a finishing move, basically. And Dave, I know that your Wookiees are well familiar with the... Finish him! So, yes. <clears throat> so, uh, what does being helpless entail, if you can only coup de gras a helpless foe? Well, per page 159 of the core rulebook, a helpless opponent is one who is bound, sleeping, unconscious, or otherwise at your mercy. If, however, the target is in combat or in another tense situation, i.e. they're aware that they're being attacked, um, or if the target is somehow able to retain its dexterity bonus to reflex defense, it is not helpless. Finally, the pin feat, page 87 of the core rulebook, notes that if you can pin your target, uh, the foe cannot move or take any actions on its turn, and it loses dexterity to reflex defense. So... Is this helpless? You say, you know, they're now effectively helpless. Well, effectively is not helpless. Okay, are they helpless? Can you coup de gras a pinned target? Um, so I don't know. Some people would call being pinned being bound, which it calls out. Um, you know, being uh, at your opponent's mercy. I, I could see that. Others would say, however, that the pin character is conscious and they're aware of the combat. Honestly, I can see it both ways. I can see a pinned character still able to struggle just enough to make a coup de gras impossible. But I can also see the guy that's being held tightly while another guy comes up and slits his throat while he's being held tightly, which is basically a coup de gras. So the question is, how hardcore do you want to go, man? I, I think the rules are mildly ambiguous in a good way. As a GM, I don't, I don't know, guys. I don't, I, don't, I don't ever see myself pulling this kind of trick on my PCs. How crappy would that be? I mean, seriously, as players, would you guys like it if I did that? If I had a pair of NPCs that just one of them grappled you and succeeded and the other one just came up and coup de grade you, you know, that would, it would suck. Um, yeah, it would. Yeah, so it, if you're considering doing this as a player, think about what you would feel if your GM did it to you. Exactly. Bottom line. And, you know, that, that's, that's kind of the bottom line. That's kind of where I stand on it. TG, thoughts? I, 
I don't have a problem with it. I think it makes perfect sense that if you pin someone and if your intentions are to kill them, then then that's what you would do. In a lot of situations, though, it makes more sense to pin them and then the partner ties them up for questioning. And then at, that, at that point, you could clearly coup de gras them. Exactly. Um, so that's my question. If they call this being bound, then why couldn't you coup de gras them? If you can hold them, if you can pin them long enough to tie them up, then why isn't it and, and that is a perfectly valid viewpoint. My only issue with it is for game balance reasons. I mean, seriously, you, you, you have a grapple monkey that can pretty much, you know, he and his buddy can pretty much take out any character in about two rounds. So, potential for pretty mild abuse there. But that's, that's if he's fighting somebody who doesn't have as good a grapple as he does. A good GM would know that that's what his players have built their characters for and would give them a challenging adventure and not just throw a regular um, bad guy at them. This is, this is an excellent point. So there's, there's the points of view. And I, I, you know, I see, I honestly, I see both sides of it, but I think, I think it could be interpreted both ways. And I, I say, you know, how, how, how hardcore do you want to go with it? So there you go. And honestly, I mean, you do bring up an excellent point. Is it that big of a difference if you pin them and then coup de gras them, or if you pin them, bind them the very next round, and then coup de gras them? You know, hey, Rawr. it's an extra. It's a so myth. It's a myth. It's a myth. Okay. All right, question number two. Question number two. Okay, so he says, I personally hate two squares for diagonal movement. Me too. And was wondering if it's overwhelmingly unbalanced to remove it from the game in addition to talents pertaining well, to well, dude, I, I, I don't think anyone at home can understand what you just said, and I sure didn't. I'm just saying, is it overwhelmingly unbalancing to remove it from the game in addition to any talents pertaining to diagonal movement? And I would say probably not, except for the Wookiee that's going to charge six squares diagonal and get twice as far as he normally would have. So, you know. So, so what is he, what is he, what is he not like? Diagonal movement, two squares. Are you listening? I, I I can barely understand you. Um, okay, so, so he's basically saying that he doesn't like the fact that moving diagonally costs two squares. Right. Okay. So who cares? Okay. I mean, make it one. There's a you know, lots of guys do house rules. We don't. We play two because that's what we're used to. But and I personally hate two squares diagonal. But I do too. But and I, I mean, I, you still got to move one left and one up. That we're anyway. used to it makes sense. I mean, you still well, got to move one left and one up to get to the same spot anyway. So it makes sense to me. But you know, I don't care. Well, I've had some I've had some good discussions on this with DM Tim and the RFH crew whenever we get together in the obligatory fourth edition versus saga edition of free for all over burritos and smiles always occurs. Um, and also with Donovan Morningfire, I've had some really good discussions. He's of course one of the mods on our own forums and up and coming developer uh, who uh, he uses. I know the one square diagonal in his house rules. I mean, but you know, I still use the tool, the two square movement, because it's it's raw. And quite frankly, I thought that you know you guys would be used to it. There were several players in our group. I'd say half of our group that was you know weaned on Saga Edition. It's all they've known. Um, and also, I think it adds a fair amount of strategy to combat without being as cumbersome as the one and a half square diagonal rule. Um, no, I don't think so. <laughs> well, I mean, it's one more thing to think about. But let me listen. When when fourth edition was released, there was a lot of grumbling. And I mean, I mean a lot of grumbling, usually from engineers who play this game. Duncan, I'm talking to you, um, about the one square diagonal. Um, and yet to date, I have yet to meet someone who's played a few sessions with one square diagonals and will say that it doesn't make the game easier and faster, and at the very least, that it, doesn't take, that it takes nothing away from it. Um, I'd encourage you to try it, James. Um, I echo these two fine folks' sentiments. 
um, especially if you don't like the two-square diagonal rule. I don't think it's imbalancing in the least. Um, and Dave, correct me if I'm wrong, did Rodney not say on our cast at one point uh, that you know, had, had he had it to do over again, he might have seriously considered the one-square diagonal? Yeah, he did. He said it. He did. He so, twice. There you go. I, I don't think that's imbalancing at all. No, I don't either. I don't care personally. Just make it consistent, whatever you do. Guess. All right, question number three. What is the virtue of the Dodge feet? I know it's classic throwback from D&D, but other than being a prerequisite for other feats, improved defenses is much better. Giving you a permanent plus one bonus on each defense is better than a dodge bonus of plus one on a single defense against a single target. Is there perhaps a better homegrown feat that you know of that can take its place? Well. You don't need a homegrown feat, uh, but... For, for those of you unaware, and if you've played any prior version of D20 Star Wars or 3rd or 4th edition D&D, how could you be? Uh, the Dodge feat, located on page 84 of the core rulebook, is a staple of the D20 system. You've got to have a dex of 13 or better to take it. In other words, you can't be a slowpoke. And on your turn, you simply designate a foe, and you get a plus one to reflex defense against them. Um, and you can select a new foe on any action. Now... Dodge bonuses represent specializing your dexterity in avoiding attacks. And they are, in my opinion, a very different flavor um, than improved defenses. Now, improved defenses, page 85 of the core rulebook, boosts all three defenses uh, permanently uh, against anything and everything. Um, And there's no prerequisites. And this represents, to me, inherent conditioning, toughness, luck. Dodge is representative of a conscious action. So why have dodge? Why have them both? Okay, well, several reasons. One, dude, they can stack. (laughs) All right, so if you think improved defenses is great, well, fantastic. Get it and dodge. Your reflex defense is even better. And two, improved defenses can only be taken as a character-level feat. And I think this is as it should be. It is a powerful feat. But dodge, I mean, that's a bonus feat for Jedi, Scoundrel, and Scout. Um, so, you know, you can take it more easily without having to waste one of your precious character level feats. Um, and three, precious. it's a buffer. It, it's a buffer before more powerful abilities come your way. Okay, and as you mentioned, man, dodge is a prerequisite for numerous badass feats from across all the books. Um, from the core rulebook alone, you've got improved charge, which is incredible. You don't have to char- basically it says you can charge not in a straight line. And mobility, and TG, how badass is mobility? Um, your your Tegruda uh, scoundrel tends to make excellent use of that. Oh, crickets. See? You heard crickets. I hear. I think her mic's muted. Yeah, something. She's in there talking. Blah, 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 blah. Ah! No, oh, it's I just not said, coming yeah. out. That's all I said. <laughs> yeah. Something. Nice. She does. She Beautiful. uses it. Okay. All right. I have a, a question from Elias Windrider. Ooh, okay. On audio. Shoot. Hello, this is Elias Windrider. I've got a question for you guys. Um, when you're using the daily force points rule from the Jedi Academy uh, training manual, how do you get rid of uh, dark side points? Or right, sorry, this is Saga. How do you reduce your dark side score? It seems kind of uh, cheap to spend the force points you get back at the end of the day. So uh, dramatic heroism. What exactly? I mean. How would you get rid of? The, how would you decrease your dark side score? All right. And uh, I never listened to the Order Pod, Order sixty six podcast. Yeah, that. Bye. <laughs> well, that's a good question. Um, 
for those not familiar, the Jedi Academy Trading Manual presented an optional rule for daily force points. So basically you have a small number of force points that renew every single day. Um, I, I believe one per character level you have. Um, in terms of your question, sir, there's a couple ways I would think about doing it. First of all, I know we've talked about this before, Dave, TG, um, yep. about when we had our dark side discussions talking about removing dark side points. I personally am a huge fan of the house rule that you can only spend one force point between sessions or when you level to remove a dark side point anyway. And one. at that point, if you're following that house rule, yeah, doesn't matter. I mean, it, it doesn't matter. It kind of it kind of solves itself there. Yeah. Um, and that's that's honestly what I would recommend if you're going to go ahead and and go that route with the daily force points. Um, the other op- option I might recommend is if you want to be a little more strict on your players and have it really really mean something. Um, ha- have them spend a force point to atone, and that force point is something they are without every single day until they level again. You know, they would have to spend a portion of time every single day meditating on the will of the force and cleansing themselves. And I actually really like that house rule. Cleanse what about, themselves. I think he kind of hinted at this, something heroic. So if they fulfill their destiny, then, sure. um, then they have a a dark side point or maybe all of their dark side points erased. So they well, do something massively heroic. Potentially. Yeah. I mean the, the redemption destiny specifically would be one where they, it says when you, when you complete this, you have all your dark side points erased um, or forever the redeemed character is. But um, that, that could be something, but yeah, for an act of heroism. Yeah. You, you, you hit it on the head. Dave thoughts. No, no more thoughts. I'm done. <laughs> Is Dave his, tired? His sugar high is wearing off. His sugar high, is, sugar wearing high off. is wearing off, dude. I'm, I'm like, I'm crashing now that, you know, now that I like came back from this thing, this vacation and all that, you know. Anyway, all right. So GM Drew, GM Drew. Wait a second. 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 The new oh. star of the show. The new star of the show has a question. Also by phone. Dude, Starth John. I'm so excited. Hello. Hi guys. This is Darth John. I've just been looking over my uh, core rulebook and realized there's a uh, lot of seats that uh, aren't on your class list. Like, how do you get those seats when it says when you take a level you can only get seats from that specific list? Thanks, and uh, I don't listen to your show. Bye. <laughs> Isn't that perfect? Awesome. What perfect, John. You rock hardcore. We need more bumpers, sir. Um, that's a good question, sir. And to answer it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, to answer that question, John, um, every even level, if you're going straight through one class, no multi-classing, you do get a bonus feed off of that class's feet list. But every third level, first level, third level, sixth level, ninth level, twelfth level, and so on and so forth, you also get a character feat in addition to that, which means that that feat can be anything you qualify for. So a feat generally that's not on a class list is usually a feat that's really awesome, like force training. So the intention is to only get it every three levels, so it's kind of something you know that is, is a little special and harder to get, basically. Um, in addition, if you also play a human, you can get... Uh, um, you can you can get a bonus feat when you very first level, so there you go. There you go. I I hope that helps. Perfect. Yeah, good question. Very good question. Yes, thank you very much, Darth John. Keep them coming. Keep them coming, buddy. Okay, so GM Drew 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 looks at me. Drew, oh, dude, I'll has hurt a you. couple. 
couple of questions. A couple of questions. Can you aid another on use the force checks? Per raw, I cannot find anything saying you cannot specifically. I did find a tagline that basically says the GM determines how many players could potentially aid. So you could always rule zero. That's <laughs> uh, a good question, Drew. Um, and the answer, which our inestimable Vader son so sagely echoed on our forums, is hells yes, man. Uh, you can certainly aid to use the force check. There are plenty of examples of force users working together in the EU. Picture um, a group of Jedi meditating together to help a master far see a difficult target. Um, but you know, again, the, the vast majority of use the force skill applications require you to be trained in use the force. So an aid in that arena would also require a trained force user. Does that make sense? Um, how would this work from a role-playing perspective? Imagine a fellow force user calling upon their knowledge and admonishing the person who's making the check. Like, oh, I don't know, uh, a master helping an apprentice. Uh, you know, let go your conscious self. Reach out with your feelings. You know, no. um, an example I can see of a, a master maybe aiding someone you know, with their use of force check just to show them it could be done. Uh, so there you go. Easy peasy. Easy peasy. Yep, and easy. Okay, so here we go. Number two. Question number two from Drew looks at me. When using the sense of the force, can you tell if an NPC has a dark side score of one or more? The dark side sense. Is it sense dark side or dark side sense talent? Uh, I think it's, I don't remember. Mm. Implies that you can if the target has a score of one or Higher. There's an errata out about this. There is, um, which you can find for free right now at www.wizards.com slash Star Wars. And the errata for the core rulebook uh, kind of takes care of this pretty sensibly. Um, per the errata, a new sidebar is added to the book itself, all about sensing the dark side in someone. Basically, you can't, you can't use the sense the force application of the use the force skill to sense if someone has the dark side in them. That then the mechanic does not allow for that. However, um, the sidebar says that if you want to use a talent like Dark Side Sense, which requires you, the target, to have a Dark Side score of one or more, you must be aware that the target has a Dark Side score of one or more. Um, in other words, you need to witness an evil act they do uh, in order to satisfy that requirement. Um, also, like if you've encountered them before and you saw them whip out a lightning bolt on someone's ass or while cackling, cackling maniacally or, or slaughtering an innocent being in cold blood, well, then your, your GM should also let that satisfy the awareness requirement that you're pretty, pretty sure they have a dark side score. That's and it's also entirely right reasonable to be aware of a dark side score if you've encountered similar foes before, such as stormtroopers or those who take no pains at all to conceal their dark nature, like uh, a crime lord having open bodyguards or um, you know, a Sith lord. Or brazenly flaunting a red lightsaber and screaming that he will kill you, you know. Yeah, stuff like it's that. kind of a giveaway there when that happens. Yeah, pretty much. Might as well have a sign there that says Howard Payne. Howard Payne got a dark side score of fourteen or better. Cyber Force on me. So there you go. Does that make sense? Yes. Beautiful. Okay, let's talk about Infinity Doctor. Ooh, the Doc. The Doc says. Hello, GMs. That's us. Dono and myself, this is Dono, of course, of, G2, of D20 Radio fame and new writing prowess, Donovan Morningfire, have been discussing the technometry power following a question raised by Funkimus Prime. What a great name. 
fight name. Basically, the power description isn't very clear regarding the time taken to actually use it. I'd suggested that, going by the description, it was a standard action to use the power and retrieve data with it, while the information access table just sets the difficulty threshold. Dono uh, suggested this wasn't the case, and that the times on the table apply too. So it's a standard action followed by an hour of searching to find private info. Now here's the confusion. Donald linked to a post by the Power's original author, who said his intention was for it to be a standard action plus time, as Donald described. Then I got a response from Watsy <laughs> that said, nope, it's just a standard action. So how do you guys handle the Power? Well, um, this is a good question. Uh, for, for those not familiar with the technometry power, uh, it's introduced on page 52 of the Clone Wars Campaign Guide. It's basically a force user using the force to tap into a computer system or a droid. Now, against a droid, you can do nasty things to jack up a droid's processor. But your question pertains to the other ability of the power. As a standard action, you can touch an electronic device or a droid. And if you beat the item or droid's will defense with your use of force check, you can recover a piece of information contained in the target's memory, uh, as, des as described on the... Uh, the access information table on page 76 okay. of the core rulebook. Yeah, good. One quick thing. What's up? Um, the podcast is off air. Yes, I'm aware. Okay. Okay. Do we have chat room difficulties? Yeah, again. Go ahead. Oh, dear. Sorry about that. Um, well, anyway, uh, as described in the access information table on page 76 of the core rulebook, um, you can snag one more piece of info by every five points by which you beat the will defense of the item. So if we turn to page 76 of the core rulebook, uh, you'll see the times that we're talking about. A normal slicer would need a minute to get general information, 10 minutes for specific info, an hour for private info, and so on and so forth and so on and so forth. First of all, I think the argument is a good one um, on both sides. Um, as the developer of the power said, uh, and as Dono proposed in his post, you're just using your use the force check in place of your use computer. That's it. Okay. As such the same time restrictions would apply. Now, the opposite argument is that this would be a pointless application and hardly in the realm of a force power, okay, more of a talent, just, you know, skill substitution. So should it be just a standard action? Okay, well, you want my opinion? I think that's way too overpowering. One standard action and a decently high use the force check to accomplish what it would take a highly skilled slicer a day and a DC-30 use computer check to accomplish? Well, if he's trying to, like, gather secret info? No way. It's too much. Um, also, I don't see why they would have even referenced the table in the power if they didn't intend for you to use the times in the table. So I would disagree with customer support on that one, Doc. So there you go. Vehemently, I might add. Vehemently. Um, that was a little, a little crazy. TG, did that make sense? Yeah, it does. Okay. It does make sense. You're, I think you're absolutely right. To be able to use a simple use the force check in order to do something that would take a slicer all day long mm -hmm. to do that. No, it doesn't make sense to let it be just a standard action. It's but then where does the standard action come in? I mean, what does it mean that it's a standard? I think it would be a standard action to activate the power, but then it still takes you some time to sit there and go through the item for that secret information. You know, so I picture a picture of Jedi, you know, activating the power as a standard action, then, you know, communing with that. It seems that item. weird. 
weird to me though because anything that's going to take time to do so if it's going to take minutes or hours to do they don't ever specify that it takes a standard action to activate because why would you be in the middle of initiative combat of some sort where you're having to go in initiative order and you say okay i'm going to spend my standard action to activate this power and then spend the rest of the you know the next 60 rounds essentially <laughs> sitting there going through the computer it doesn't make sense why they would specify a standard action for that, something that's, a good that's point. going to ultimately take you an hour to do that's a good point and it could simply be a typo that hasn't been errated yet but um you know in terms of how to run it in the game that's you know that's that's kind of what's kind of where i lean but no i see exactly where you're coming from okay so. good then we're not crazy yeah not nuts <laughs> Nowhere near as nuts as we were anyway before. So, okay, all right. We'll take a little bit of a break, and we'll we'll do this. And now, stormtrooper poetry. I once met a toilet seductress, whose attentions I did try to impress. Told her I could rhyme anything, anytime, and she said, "Yeah, how about uh, the color of my dress?" It was orange and purple. I was shot out of the saddle before I even got started. Stormtrooper poetry. <laughs> <laughs> very, very nice, Brian. Thank you. Nice. Okay. And we're going to back that up with the Alex and Trevor show while we try and get the chat room back online. And we'll catch you guys uh, about three minutes on the other side. Nice. Welcome, Jedi Masters, to Fragments from the Rim. To you today. Hi, this is Alex. And Trevor. And this is segment number 19 of Fragments from the Rim. For this segment, I've chosen to talk about the scoundrel talent Skirmisher from page 46 of the Core Rulebook and the improved Skirmisher talent from page 15 of Scum and Villainy. When I look at these talents, they really fit the kind of character I like to play. In fact, in one of our earlier segments, Trevor was complaining about having characters in D&D 3.5 that were capable of moving all over the map when he didn't really want them to. That would have been my character. And I really enjoy that entire concept of movement and and the tactical abilities that goes along with that. And so when I look at these talents, I really want to like them. Unfortunately, I'm underwhelmed. I just can't see why the skirmisher talent in and of itself is useful. So the skirmisher talent says you, if you move at least two squares before you attack and end your move in a different square from where you started, you gain a plus one bonus on attack rolls until the start of your next turn. And I look at that and I think, why not just take a level of soldier and pick up an extra talent or feat as well? Beyond role playing, or perhaps that you're going to get a bad base attack bonus boost in Scoundrel anyways, and so you can actually get two bonuses in one, but I just can't see why you wouldn't go and take soldier instead. The improved skirmisher talent, again, the same qualifier when you move at least two squares, and so on, you gain a plus one bonus to all your defenses until the start of your turn. And again, that's kind of nice, but it's just not that great. I'd rather pick up some other, more valuable talent. What I'm tempted to do is to consider combining the two talents into one. And so you get a plus one to attack and a plus one to your defenses until the start of your next turn. Or is that just too broken? What's your opinion? Over to you, Trevor. Today, I'm going to discuss Collateral Damage, the feat you can find on page 21 of Scum and Villainy. 
The description of this feat is, whenever you deal damage with a single, non-area of attack using a rapid shot feat, you can immediately make a second attack and a minus two penalty against the second target within two squares of the first. If you hit, you deal half of the original damage to that additional target. What I like about this is that it allows for area of attacks for those characters that are A, not necessarily proficient in weapons of area of attack, or B, not willing or, or desiring to use an area of attack weapon. So this goes to the idea of a bounty hunter who wants to have like a lot of shots and take out more than one guy, or a uh, scoundrel, or somebody who just wants to snipe. So I think this is a really neat talent, and it has a, a cool story effect to it, never mind just a physical effect. Anyways, if you have any questions or comments, please uh, send Alex or I an email at order66 underscore fragments at rogers.com. And until next time, have fun gaming. Thank you, Masters, for visiting Fragments from the Rim. All right. Thank you very, very much, nice. Alex, Trevor, and I'm not entirely sure if we have chat or not. I've restarted everything here. And sorry, I have no chat room access right now at all. So I was texting here. through. Uh, I was texting through one of the, one of our people here in uh, in the chat room. And so hopefully they're. I, I can tell along. you that I can I can see on the chat right now. I've refreshed and I can see it. And I think we're up maybe. Um, so that's yeah. fantastic. I just I just yeah. need a co-host to add. That's it. <laughs> well, now I'll tell you what, man. We are just on the fly here, man. Just beautiful. Oh, and they're coming through the chat room saying, "Hey, we can hear you. We can see you just fine." So. How about that, man? Look at that beetle. Every time Ustream does an update, it fizzles. I hate this. Yeah, I mean, uh, Ustream <sighs> itself generally sucks. I don't know why we use it because it's the I mean, it's the only thing out there. So somebody needs to do something better. <laughs> I mean, and, and and believe me, guys, Ustream has set the bar really low. All right. <laughs> so. Thank you, Ustream. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Thanks a lot, Ustream. You suck. Okay, so let's. Um, okay, what are we doing next? Oh, let's yeah. suspend some rules. I don't know about that. You sure you want to do that? Yeah. Let's uh, do it. I don't want to do it. That's what she said. <laughs> oh my God! Here we go again with this stuff. <laughs> All right, let's get into this. Request a motion to suspend the rules. You're gonna suspend the rules? Shut up, Shut up. Motion granted. Ah, yes. It is nice. And for those unfamiliar with our suspending the rules segment, this is our uh, semi-weekly or bi well, bi bi-weekly, I guess, segment um, where we feature house rules posted up on our forums from the Gamer Nation uh, that we think are cool and worthy of your consideration. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So what and, do we uh, got? What are huh? we calling this house rule? Um, I choose to call it the fishbowl. How come? Because um, I don't know. I, I, okay, never mind. How about I would like to drive the Zamboni? Ooh. I want to drive the Zamboni. How about I would like to drive the Star Destroyer? Yeah, that's it. 
All right, Star Destroyer. Star, yeah. That's Star Star. Okay, yes. so this comes from Darth GM. Uh, nifty little house rule that um, says basically, hey, we've all had fellow players or characters that joke about or seriously want to purchase a capital ship with all of their money. So the But the idea of a PC owning a cruiser is, well, just flat-out ludicrous. But possible for some higher-level PCs. And what about the all-too-often gaming moment where a party gets the chance to steal such a ship <laughs> and succeeds? Well, do you want your uh, PCs with a Star Destroyer at their disposal? Probably not. So Darth GM doesn't either, who suggests this. What? Insufficient crew. I like that. Um, I, I like this rule. He says that basically uh, many many ships in the galaxy require a very large crew to operate them. The number of crewmen on a ship is not, though, the actual number of beings required to pilot the ship, but the number required to maintain and operate the ship for any substantial period of time. So, for each week that passes without the required number of crew on board to maintain the ship, the ship moves minus one step down the condition track. This is a persistent condition that lasts until the crew complement has been brought up to required levels. If a ship moves to the bottom of the condition track due to lack of sufficient crew, it remains disabled until it's overhauled. An overhaul costs 5,000 credits times the ship's cost modifier, which is on page 38 of Starships of the Galaxy. A character may use the jury rig application of the mechanic skill to get the disabled ship moving again, thus allowing the ship disabled due to insufficient crew the ability to get to a space dock. That's and a great. That's a good I one. That's fantastic. It's a good idea, yeah. Darth GM. You should be complimented. I know a couple people have already had. Way to go! <laughs> yeah, I think I think this is a freaking fantastic idea. I mean, it it, um, it allows your players to to pilot a ship for a very short time, but not own one necessarily, unless they're willing to pay for a full crew. You know what I mean? Yeah. You just can't I mean, have a party troving around with a star destroyer. Yeah, you have to have a crew for a big ship like that. I mean, yeah, it just makes sense. Makes it a lot makes of sense. So, excellent house rule. And if you guys have any house rules you'd like to post up on the forums, you can, of course, do so at www.d20radio.com slash forum. Yeah. How about that, man? So, all right. So, you know what that means, don't you now? Mm -hmm. I, um, I believe that it... In some cases, in some parts of the world, that this would be a cue for. Yeah, it's time. Very nice. We're already an hour into the show, and so, you know. <laughs> Yar! It only took us an hour to get there. <laughs> Yar! Yar, matey. I almost asked you to find some Pirates of the Caribbean music for this segment. Negative. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, we're calling this Yar, matey. Uh, this week, Gamer Nation, we return to a, uh, a long-requested topic and conveniently to our Prestige class discussion with the Master Privateer. Um, Dave, TG, I don't know. I think, t talk to me here. I think swashbuckling space opera should be something we all love. And the idea of piracy and shipboarding between the stars at least captures my imagination in a way that any other part of Star Wars does. Not me. No? Doesn't, doesn't <laughs> it hit you so much? Not really. 
Ah, uh, see, I, I love it. I love it. TG? Yeah, huh? I like it, but that's probably not the main appeal for Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, wow. no. Sorry to leave you hanging there. <laughs> Golly. Well, I like it. Um, yeah. And, yeah, I mean, I, I see I see a lot of it at the table. It's, it's, it's certainly a huge part of the EU as well. Um, so the Master Privateer pretty much gets into that. But what's really odd about this prestige class and what uh, most people talk about is the fact that it actually appears twice in this gaming system in different books with the same name and with stark similarities and striking difference. So how is this? What is this? Why is this? How does it all work together? Well, we are going to prowl the depths of Davy Jones's locker tonight and we are going to tell you. Davy Jones's locker. Uh, mm -hmm. No matter which way you look at it, the Master Privateer combines some great leadership abilities with some flavorful and powerful combat abilities, making it a fun class for most anyone to play. So strap on your energy peg leg, uh, put on your bionic eye patch, grab your Force Unleashed campaign guides and your scum and villainy books, and turn to pages 52 and 32, respectively. And avast, me hardies, you ho-ho and a bottle of Corellian ale. Let us... Uh, let us uh, talk about the Master Privateer, Yar, says I. Not Tasha Yar. Yar! <laughs> the space version of Davy Jones' locker is Chewbacca's chessboard. <laughs> That's it. That's all it is. You know, either that or the bottom side of Lando's cape. I don't know what the heck's going under there. Yeah, ooh. I don't think I want to know. So, yes, yes, yes. Um, Fast enough for you, old man. <laughs> Christopher Walken trying out for Han Solo. YouTube it. Seriously, Saturday Night Live. It was beautiful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Kevin okay. Spacey doing Christopher Walken trying out for Han Solo. It was, you know. Yeah. No, what do you mean? You've never heard of the Millennium Falcon. She's fast enough for you, old man. Yeah, it was wonderful. Wonderful. Beautiful. So shall we, now that y'all have gotten your impersonations out of the way, shall we step aboard? Yeah. Oh, my God. That's <laughs> something when she's bringing us back on the course. All right. No joke. Wow, right. that worries me. But we I'm glad. We have, uh, we have elephant in room. We, oh, we do need to have elephant. We, to, we, need to, we need to talk about the elephant in the room. Okay. Yeah, because it's getting stuffy in here, and I really need to... It, it is. Okay, so before, before we continue this discussion, let's talk about the elephant in the room. What the heck is up with two classes? Now, as you glance at your Scum and Villainy and Force Unleashed campaign guides, you will see there are two classes called Master Privateer. What is up with this? Now, the first, the, the first Master Privateer was released in the Force Unleashed, and it was very clear about what it was. And it said a privateer fills the role of the the almost pirate. Okay, but you're still a good guy. Okay, you're a mercenary, and you usually work for a government. And you're a master at stopping ships, disabling them, boarding them. But you're a good guy. And the class goes so far as to actually talk about piracy. And it's one of the class features telling you that if you ever become a bad guy, i.e. you fall to the dark side, you have given up any pretense at pi privateering and you are simply a blasted pirate. You therefore, at that point, cannot take any more levels ever in the master privateer prestige class. Cool. But so what? In Scum and Villainy, they released this version of the Master Privateer that wasn't bound by that restriction. In fact, it presented a talent tree called the Piracy Talent Tree. <laughs> nah. So, okay, why the change? Okay, well, good question. Frankly, 
I am inclined to believe that the scum and villainy master privateer, which I will henceforth refer to in this discussion as pirate, for simplicity's sake, was needed for a character who wanted to be a pirate and not a privateer. The two classes are very similar, so let's talk about them in depth, starting with, again, how to get on board. Okay, and maybe you'll you'll discuss this later at some point, but why do they have the same name then? One could have been Master Privateer and one could have been pirate. Space Pirate. Yeah, I know, I know. And and I don't think anyone does know. I but choose to blame Lottie. Rodney. Do, do they use a lot of the same uh, talent trees? They, they have, di- um, they have, but they both have their own unique talent tree. But like, aside from, from that, virtually every other aspect of the class is identical, including both classes, including mm-hmm. the even level abilities. And I have a theory. I have a theory, and we will come to that. Okay. 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 So, I trust you. Uh, I blame uh, Sterling. I, I know you do. I Don't betray that Sterling. trust, Chris. Sterling. It's Sterling. We'll ask him. All right. No problem. Okay. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about getting in here. Let's talk about the prerequisites, guys. First of all, there is a minimum level to get into the Master Privateer Prestige class. Would <gasps> anyone like to take a Sucky. jab, a, a, a gander, a shot in the dark as to what that minimum level is? It's Gary Asselford. No, level. No. <laughs> um, eight. Twelve. Oh, seven. Eight. That was going to be my guess, Dave. Yes, yeah, eight. You know, minimum level of seven. In other words, you got to be eighth seriously. level to get into both of these prestige yeah, classes. Seriously. Yeah. I mean, that's a surprise. That is a major surprise. That is very shocking. And I bet, okay. I bet I to be a pirate. I, I, I could go no, off I, from I, I bet I'm to, so shocked. To be a pirate, you're going to have to be trained in deception, too, I bet. How about that? Deception <laughs> and, and one other skill. What would you think it would be? Oh, yeah. For a space pirate, you better be able to fly. Correct. So you got to be trained in deception and pilot. you got to be a tad underhanded, and you better be a damn good pilot. And both classes require those two trained skills. Feats. Can you guys think of a major feat in the core rulebook that might deal with space piracy that just sort of Jumps out at you off the top of the page. Um, dodge. Vehicular combat. Dodge. Yeah, no, vehicular combat. Uh, <laughs> I beat you. Weapon focus lightsaber. <laughs> 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 vehicular combat. Duh. And again, both both classes require this. Now, now talents. Here is where we start to see some divergence. And looking at at what talents are required kind of gives us a hint of where these two different classes lean. Okay, so. To enter the Force Unleashes Master Privateer, the first one, you need two talents from the Scoundrels Misfortune or Space Hound talent trees, both which are found in the Core Rulebook, or from the Smuggler talent tree found in the Force Unleashed. Very fitting. You're a Master Privateer. You're a pirate with a heart of gold. You know, you're, you're a smuggler. I'm you're a scoundrel. A pirate yeah, yeah. with a heart of gold. Okay, sorry. Boom. Now, the Scum and Villainy Master Privateer, or Pirate, as I'm going to be calling it, refers to, requires just any two talents from the Misfortune Talent Tree, specifically. And it says only the Misfortune Talent Tree. In other words, it is much more focused on being a nasty dude. Okay? Nasty. So you can, be, you can nasty. qualify for being a pirate and also qualify for being a Master Privateer. Yes, you can, and that will be a, a key point of our discussion. What later. about a Master Privateer, Privateer, Pirate, Pirate? One plus one plus two plus one. Yeah, that's seven. <laughs> and you're tired. <laughs> All right, the basics. Um, what kind of defense bonuses do you think this class offers? Seven. Eight. No, not, not minimum level. Oh. What, what, what kind of defense bonuses to your defense scores? Oh, 
Um, I don't know. Plus two. Dude, two. you're making us think. It's that's not cool, man. <laughs> I would say um I would say um uh, I don't know. A higher will defense than anything else. Yes, actually. Um a plus four class bonus to will and a plus two to reflex. The master privateer really represents a leader of men. And as such, um, I, I, I don't know. I think the bonus to the mental defense is kind of appropriate. What, what about Mitt? What about women? Mitt Romney? Is he not good enough to lead women? Only I'm going, men? I'm going with the classical naval tradition here. So it would be men only, but in star Wars, uh-huh. of course it would be, you know, co-ed. Yes. Un- unisex hammocks in unisex. the, in the, in the bunk. Yes. Okay. Yes. Sex and hammocks. <laughs> everyone. Everyone. Both go. versions. Both that's versions of. Uh, that's both, where we go. Both versions of Master Privateer share those same defense bonuses, and both versions of Master Privateer also share the Veteran Privateer even level ability, um, and which is it's basically a hard and fast combat boost, and it's pretty wicked. As a free action, you can add plus two to any attack roll you make. And you can do this a number of times per encounter, not per day, per encounter, equal to your class level in the Prestige class. That's badass. That's pretty cool, yes. actually, you know? I like that. Yeah, it's like, oh, you know what? Plus two. Ha <laughs> ha! You know, hells yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's beautiful. Okay, well, well let's move on. And TG, why don't you introduce us to this next segment? A scallywag body. Any other yes. name. Scallywag. Scallywag. I love that word. Okay, so so we've yeah. talked about the basics. Here's where things start to really get different. The space scallywag with the heart of gold, or the master privateer from the Force Unleashed campaign guide, has access to either the infamy talent tree from the crime lord, a uh, prestige class, or the new privateer talent tree. But the pirate found in Scum and Villainy has access to the infamy talent tree, the scoundrel's spacer talent tree, or its new piracy talent tree. Okay, so, wait, wait, wait. Yeah. Damn. You just went really fast. That's confusing. Sorry. Like, I, did, I couldn't understand. I couldn't take in everything that you just said. Forgive me. I'll try to explain it a different way. <laughs> so both the master privateer and the pirate have access to the infamy talent tree. Uh, from okay. the crime, from the crime lord, um, ha- and both of them have access to their own talent trees that they both introduce brand new. Okay. Okay. In addition to that, the pirate, the one from Scum and Villainy, has access to a third talent tree, the scoundrel's spacer talent tree, but the the uh, privateer does not have access to that. I see. Okay. Okay, that makes sense. So we're going to talk about both paths and both new talent trees, starting with uh, Blackbeard. You ain't. Uh, basically, the the master privateer from the Force Unleashed. Do you have to say that with a Texas accent? Black Blackbeard, you ain't. You ain't Blackbeard no yar. You ain't Blackbeard no more. Hey, come over here. So the, the master privateer. Think Francis Drake, Captain Cook. Okay, men and shipmasters that were reviled by many people, but heroes to the governments and the people that they served. Uh, you Sir know? Walter Raleigh. Yeah. So, you know, many, many people called these men pirates, but their actions separated them from the cutthroats of the sea. They took prisoners frequently. They attacked military and political targets, and they generally were swashbuckling heroes. And this is what the Force Unleashed Master Privateer encompasses, and it is exemplified in the Privateer Talent Tree, a talent tree pretty much devoted to swashbuckling heroics. Yeah. Um, so, uh, TG, why don't you tell us the first talent in that tree? So the first talent in this tree is called the Armored Spacer. 
And, and basically, what, what does it do? Well, what it does is it allows you to use armored spacesuits as if you had the armor proficiency heavy feet. So that's pretty cool. It's handy. <laughs> it's handy. It's nice. It's so, somewhat useful if you're doing a lot of uh, you know zero G stuff. But what if? I mean, are there any? Is there any armor out there that's heavy that isn't a space spacesuit of some sort? Yes, of course. But so this only works for spacesuits. Okay, so that's its little caveat that's its, there. That's its caveat, pretty much. Yep. Eh, I could. Eh. Meh. Eh. 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 Dave, what is the next talent in this tree? Uh, let's see. I'm gonna say uh, attract privateer. Yes, and you what know, does it do? Where you can like bring somebody else in, you know, it's just like uh, like the crime lord's minion, you know, where you get like a a non heroic little dude. Pretty much, a it's, minion. It's, wow, I'm a minion. Yeah. yeah. It's, so your your shipmate, right? Or the like the second in command? Yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, I mean, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, but it's, it's it's literally literally it's identical to the crime lord's minion yeah. talent. Yeah, it they're already talking in the chat room about my favorite feat out of here. So get to <laughs> it. What's your favorite one? Blaster and Blade, boy. Oh, Blaster Blade. Okay, well, well, we'll come to that one then. Blaster and Blade 1. This is the three-tiered series of feats. Um, bl- uh, series of talents. Uh, blaster and Blade 1. Basically, you have a blaster in one hand, you got a blade in the other. Now, when you make a single attack with an advanced melee weapon, you can then make an attack with a blaster as a free action, as long as you already have both weapons in your hands. Uh, normal dual weapon penalties do apply. you got to have dual weapon mastery 1, and weapon proficiency advanced melee weapons and weapon proficiency pistols. And how how swashbuckly. So It is, but that's expensive. Yeah, it, it kind of is. Well, it is expensive. Well, it's what? It's it's two feats. Three. Dual, weapon, dual well, you get you but you get weapon proficiency pistols every every class but Jedi has that as a starting feat. You don't even have to buy it. So um really really it's two. Now, when you look at this, if you're considering going into the swash, going the swashbuckler route with the uh, uh, master privateer, I would highly recommend, obviously, picking up advanced melee weapon proficiency early on in your career. Um, so, as well as dual weapon mastery, if you want to go for this route. So, very cool. Well, TG, what is the upgrade of this feat, of this talent? Hmm. Let's see. It's got a very <laughs> clever name. Two. Which is Blaster <laughs> and Blade Two. <laughs> Which means when you wield an advanced melee weapon in one hand and a blaster in the other, lo and behold, surprise, uh-huh. you treat the advanced melee weapon as if you're holding it two-handed. So you get to double your strength bonus to the friggin' damage. The freaking damage. Yeah. Yeah, baby. That's insane. That like, is-, is there any other feat out there that allows you to... to to do Double that. your strength bonus with when you're wielding it one-handed. If you're a droid, yes, but not otherwise. Um, How does that make? I mean, like, what? You're just so good. Pretty much, yes. At you're holding just, both at the same time that your your hand with the blade becomes you're that, super strong. <laughs> you're that good with it. You just you got to be you got to be looking in balance. Like one arm's got these massive muscles on it, and the other one's kind of wimpy from just holding <laughs> the pistol. Well, you know, massive muscles on the forearm. Those those uh, space pirates get lonely. Um, oh God! <laughs> so that's where it comes. That's where it the comes. extra strength comes yes. from. Yes, <laughs> Dave. What is the uh, the the third talent in this series of of talents? That I believe talent? you've already mentioned it. You know, it's the third one. So like, just put another one on it, dude. 
<laughs> you know, it goes from one to two to three, man. Very, very nice. You know, I am an FBI agent. Agent, you're going down, booty. Booty. Very nice. What does Blaster and Blade 3 do, sir? Uh, Gung-Ho Iguana uh, gets to fly the Gunstar without you. That's what it does. Okay. What? Thank you. It uh, actually, it it basically uh, you can attack with both the uh, advanced melee weapon and the blaster as a standard action. So, it's. Well, wait, 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 wait. It, with, with, with with blaster and blade one, I can attack with a blaster as a free action after right. making a standard with my blade. So how is this any yeah, better? Yeah, but it has to be a single attack, so you can't apply rapid strike or uh, anything like that to it. Now you can. Okay, that makes Which good sense. Which is why I like it, and why somebody else in the chat room, I don't remember who, said it was their favorite. Yes, okay, well, there we go. Well, that, that makes really good sense. Okay, well, I like that. Um, the next talent in this tree is Border, um, and not, not a person who's renting a room from you, uh, like like you're, you're, you're boarding a ship. Um, this is an awesome talent. Um, basically, when you're on a starship or a space station and you're making an attack roll, you ignore cover. Not improved cover. Just cover. You just flat out ignore it. So soft cover from an ally or from a low object table, something like that, means nothing to you. Uh-uh. Zero. So. Zip. Nada. Bupkis. Cool. Bupkis. TG, what's next? Slee stack. Iron mastery. Iron? Ion. <laughs> Ion. <laughs> I, and here I thought she I said. I am Ion, man. Here I, here, I, here I thought she said. <laughs> oh, wow. Yes. Wow! I See, I, I thought she said iron bastardry. I... <laughs> bastardry. It could be that too. All right, I, what, is, what is I? What is I on mastery? Cat's the only one that got I a sleep on. stack joke. So, that was nice. Uh, on mastery. Thank um, you, cat. So, what it does when you attack with ion damage, you gain a plus one to your attack rolls, and you deal an extra die of damage when you're doing using ion because part of this is to part of this this uh class is to uh disable ships yeah you don't want to destroy them you want to disable them so you could take prisoners and so, take it back to your take, you take know, happy little government we can sell ship. it yeah yeah <laughs> there you well go. you're a good guy you're not supposed to be doing those kind of things like selling the that's ship right. well no hey that's that's stealing. You're, you're selling it you're stealing you're just stealing for your government. So, I mean, the, the example would be like a... But you take it back to your government. That well, would mean or, you're the good guy. If yeah, you don't half, do half, that, then you're not good. Half the time, you would sell it. For, that's that's the thing. That, that's the point of a privateer. You pocket what you keep. You're just you're just taking out targets that are enemies of your government. So a privateer for the, you know, the Republic during the Clone Wars would be pirating uh, Confederate vessels, uh, you know... Um, you know, independent system vessels, but you know they would do their best not to kill anybody and do as little collateral damage as they could. They would sell everything they could, but it was just they were going after political targets. Right. Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah. <laughs> I heard you, Dave. You, she heard you. Okay, what's next, Dave? I don't know. Persevering shot. No. I don't no. Know. Where am I? <laughs> I don't know. I, yeah, I gave you. I, I did I was, give you. I, I'm just looking. I'm just kind of looking in the book. So go ahead. Multi-attack proficiency. Oh, I was one ahead. I was one ahead, sorry. Advanced melee weapons. Um, 
it's a again, it's a multi-attack uh, proficiency. They're, they're scattered throughout the prestige classes. We know them. We love them. You reduce in a multi-attack penalty with an advanced melee weapon by two, and you can take it multiple times, reducing by two each time. So if you're anytime you're taking a full round action to Dude, use advanced cool. melee weapons, boom. Yeah, that's really cool. It's very cool. So we if know you it, like take it seven times, can you get a plus out of it? No, actually, it's been clarified. You cannot Good. get a plus. All you can do is remove penalty. Good, because I'd hate to go to Bestman with that and not get a plus. Thank you for throwing in the Bestman reference. Appreciate it. Very nice. Well, since you already laid it on us, why don't you talk about the last talent in that tree? Oh, eh? uh, yeah, because this is my favorite. Um, when uh, when you would, like, you know, normally, you know, destroy a ship by, you know, when you get it to zero hit points... And exceed its damage threshold. This is called persevering yeah. shot, by the way. I think it's preserving. preserving shot. Sorry, persevering. Preserving shot. I'm I'm kind of tired. Um, you can choose not to destroy the ship. So it's there's another thing out there where you can choose not to kill somebody, and I forgot what that was. But anyway, yeah, it's it's a feat. Yeah, but it deals with personal combat. Yeah, exactly. So you deal half damage, uh, move the ship one step down the condition track, and disable the sublight and hyperdrive engine, and it is immobile until it is repaired. So since it's immobile, can I coup de gras it? <laughs> <laughs> wow. And you know, what, you know what's really sad? is When you said that, my brain went, no, you can't. It's not a creature or a droid. Um, <laughs> God, that's awful. Okay. <laughs> All right, so th that is the talent tree. <laughs> Only if you pin it. <laughs> now, I want to... It's I wanna, a big nutshell, by the way. It's a very big talent tree. And, mm -hmm. you know, as we can see, it obviously relates. There's a lot of personal, very important here, personal combat abilities in here that reflect uh, how well you fight, okay? And whether it be on a ship or person to person. Um, and that's really the focus of this particular talent tree. Well, as we move on to this next segment, which I want to call a cutthroat is I, yard, um, we're going to see it from a different angle and where I see the real differences between these two different prestige classes, which share yeah. the same name. Um, so, okay, moving to the pirate, the, the uh, you know, the, the master privateer found in, um, uh, in Scum and Villainy. Blackbeard, Calico Jack, Barbarossa, Ruthless, Vile, Gangsters of the High Seas, they don't report to a government. They don't care who they attack. They don't care why. They rob, they pillage, they destroy. They take few prisoners. They have a reputation for bloodshed. It's Muammar Gaddafi. Um, you know, there it is. Boom. Um, I mean, as a pirate, you're John not necessarily Madden. an evil person, but, you know, you're, you're not, you have no, no altruistic intent. And your abilities lead towards destruction and a cutthroat mentality, as is exemplified in the pirate talent tree. Which is uh, which is new to this particular uh, this particular uh, class? Yes. So TG, why don't you tell us about the nasty first talent in this uh, this talent tree? Mwahaha, being bloodthirsty. Blood. So you can perform a coup de grace, yes, as a move action, as opposed <laughs> to a full full what is it? Full round action. Mm -hmm. And when you do, all allies that are in line of sight gain a plus two morale bonus on attack rolls for the rest of the encounter. Oh I think this is so awesome, so yeah. badass, even more badass than the last thing that I said was badass. It makes yeah. sense. It makes sense if you're standing there and you snap somebody's neck 
No, it's <laughs> you, yeah, your allies are right, right, right by you. And they and go, ah! like, yeah, we're awesome. Our bosses kick ass. We're going to keep going. It's going to make them more awesome. Uh, yeah. More awesome. <laughs> I think it's great. <laughs> it's It makes perfect sense. And I think it should be available, not just to pirates, but to everybody. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> For that sterling review. <laughs> um, well, you know. <laughs> wow. Well, uh, there, there's a lot of those in uh, in this particular topic, as we'll see. So we might want to tone down the enthusiasm a tad, or we're going to get you know over enthused, and you don't want to get over gasped. You'll pass out. Uh, um, that would be that would be bad. So Dave, Dave, tell us about the next uh, talent in this tree, which is also uh, this would be the fate to the death, man. Like totally, you know, when you're when you're in the islands, man, you know it's all about the relaxation time, you know. That man? doesn't sound like a Bahamian accent at all. It is not man. at all. No, there is no Bahamian accent, dude. There is no Bahamian accent. It's Jamaican. Okay, that that's not a Jamaican accent either. It's it's whatever, man. Who cares? <laughs> you know. Why don't you tell See, us what the freaking talent is, that's dude? The one thing <laughs> is that nobody like has a harsh word for anybody down there. Everyone's so nice, man. You know. I'm happy you're happy. Yeah, anyway, so it's fight to the death, dude. Once an encounter as a swift action, okay. you can inspire your allies within six squares and say, remember the Alamo. <laughs> Each of them will heal the damage equal to your heroic level, which is like a OMG. At least eight. Yeah. And... Yeah, well, of course you got to do bloodthirsty first to do this, but that's the prereq. Okay. Yeah, it's like they all get healed equal to your I... heroic level, and they have to be within six squares of you. And you say, "Remember the Alamo. Remember Davy Crockett. Remember Samuel Adams." <laughs> and they heal. I don't know of another ability in the game that does this at all. There are abilities that will allow allies to get temporary hit points, but that is not actual healing. All right. What we're talking about is massive group healing, and it's not that massive, though. I mean, okay, honestly, okay. If, if I'm, I'm sorry. If I'm ten, if I'm tenth level and I do this, and I can just heal nine, uh, I, I can heal twenty five characters at once, ten hit points. That's huge. And furthermore, if I'm commanding mooks underneath me because I'm the pirate lord and they're all my minions, their hit point totals are not going to be that high. And if I can heal them 10 hit points, that's often you know half to a third of their hit point totals in some cases. But if someone's using a pistol, they're doing what? Three die six plus five if we're five how, and how many i know but how many times have you rolled 10 points of damage on your pistol or never uh, quite a lot with three die six plus yeah, that's what five? I'm, that's I mean, what i'm saying it's not that's what i'm saying that's you know so it's it cures one shot you know who knows but still it, i think it's it an awesome ability. Do that i don't know i don't, it's eh. so you guys don't care for this ability though it's a meh wow i disagree totally but that's okay well that's just because you're a gm and you don't know anything <laughs> I, I like this ability because I can use this against uh, against the PCs. I, I I see an NPC pirate lord yeah, using, and that's, this, against, yeah, using that's... this on his minions and kicking complete butt. You know they're close to death, and all of a sudden, oh, oh they go oh, wow, that's kicking awesome. complete. Then all right, let's re let's rethink this. Away. Now I mean, it, it takes hey, us one more round. They can take you out. Two shots to kill him instead of one, and that's one more round. They get a shot on you, and that's why I like it. Yeah. All right. Well, the next talent in this tree also has um, a bloodthirsty as a prerequisite. It's savage reputation. Um, literally, you have a savage reputation. Now, you guys remember the um, the 
the crime lord talents that were uh, inspire fear, which basically said that you're you're such a feared crime lord that people get like a minus one or a minus two or a minus three when they're trying to attack you. Yeah. Well, Savage Reputation says that all foes within six squares of you take a minus one penalty on attack rolls. All attack rolls. Hey, all right. Now this one, I can get behind. Yes. Not 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 necessarily yeah. against you. All attack rolls. That's why I can get behind that one. That one's like inspire confidence, like but the other way. But the other way, yes. <laughs> so I, I really, really like this talent a lot. Um, I want to do born so, leader and inspire confidence backwards. Backwards, backwards. Savage reputation. But you don't, even, you don't even have to activate it. It's just always on. I just, yeah. I think it's, I think it's cool. I wish it was bigger than six squares, but at that point, it might become a tad broke tastic. Oh. Um, so. Yeah, that being always on is almost broke-tastic with it yeah i mean even inspire confidence it's once an encounter of course yeah. it's for the rest of the encounter but it's but, not something know, that's always on you know it yeah. takes up a standard action in order to yeah. make it happen yeah and it's only going to really affect melee fighters if you have a ranged fighter they're not going to get within six squares of you not rarely rarely well tg why don't you lay the next talent on us and what keep them really <laughs> <laughs> oh Nice. Se- what is with you the, what is with the segue? snappy segues? Yeah. Dave, GG, golly. That's fantastic. That's what we call just... in the industry professionalism. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just... Don't, uh, don't laugh at us. All right, t- talk to me about Keep Them Reeling. Keep Them Reeling is, as a standard action, you make a melee attack. <laughs> that seems a little... Uh, <laughs> ambiguous there. Wow. <laughs> but no, there's more. Wow. There's more. I Is promise. That, there's I mean, more. that's like major deal right there. As a standard action, you can make a <laughs> melee attack. A melee attack. Wow. No. So if you have a success, you can choose to deal no damage, but the target must move or withdraw from you on its turn. That's awesome. So I can hit something. So basically, this is a cinematic equivalent of me going, yeah, and running at it and, and not actually doing any damage. But if I hit, they have to move away from me on their next turn. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, but you don't deal damage. And see, where's the fun in that? Well, uh, I don't know, man. You mix in an ability like Withdrawal Strike. I kill you. And you get an AO where they can't withdraw, yet they're being forced to move. Um, well, gee, that would be an attack opportunity, would it not? But I thought any kind of forced not movement with, does not, not do draw an attack of opportunity. Ah, See, now how w- smart is that? See, again, you've called the GM on his bluff. Yes, yes, this is this 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 could be this could be very well ruled. Yes, absolutely, this is very true. But um, I see it in conjunction, maybe not necessarily against you, but others. Um, here, here's where I really like it. I think advanced melee weapons, with the exception of giant vibro axes, Dave. Um, one, one handed advanced melee weapons don't tend to do a whole heck of a lot of damage. And if you're facing a foe with say damage reduction or uh, somebody who, you know, you're not going to do a whole lot of damage to, um, oftentimes using your ability to do battlefield control can be a lot better action. So I like this ability just for that purpose. It's a way to get somebody off your back. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I like, I I don't know. You TG, you don't seem to care for it. If I if somebody's up on me, I'm just gonna back away. 
if, if you, I don't want them up on I, me, I'm just gonna move. Yo, you want to get up off me? If you can. Yes. But but it's it's an interesting little ability. It has its uses. It has. Its it, uses. But it seems very specific uses. See, I don't like no. talents that are so specific. I need something that'll be able to apply more. Then you're not you're not going to be prestige classing very much. <laughs> Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, right. actually, I think you said to me actually with your current Tagruda, you're like, I'm not prestige classing. I'm just going straight, yeah. <laughs> straight scoundrel, pretty much. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Dave, what is the next talent in this tree after keep them reeling? After keep, you gotta keep them separated. Separated. I knew. <laughs> it. Raiders frenzy would be Raiders frenzy. Raiders surge. There are two of them right back to back. But once around, if one of your allies within six squares damages a foe. You can grant all your all your allies within line of sight a damage bonus equal to half your class level until the end of your next turn. So you're like feeding off the bloodlust of your men to inspire the rest of your men. So <laughs> you're that's, like that's basically what it is. Inspiring with blood and men. Yeah. Thank you for that, Bodie. I, wouldn't bode. I don't know. This seems to kind of fall into the same category of me as like bloodthirsty and, and fight to the death. It's one of those sort of leadership abilities. They're all just running together now. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I like I like this too. I think again, it's if so. If you get if you get a buddy within six squares, you hurt somebody. You can turn that to a a bonus for every ally that you can see. That's freaking awesome. I think. So the pirate is turning into a buff monkey. Basically, Whoa. or a debuff monkey. Okay. What what I see is he's turning into a good leader, but yeah. the thing is, all the buff and debuff is based off of off of bloodthirstiness. Bloodthirsty. Which is cool. It is, it is, it is very, right. very cool. Episode seventy one. Okay. I drink the blood. Yes. So I what's think. next? The Raider Surge. The Raider Surge. It? Yeah. The the Raider Surge. Dun, the, dun, the Raider dun. Surge. Okay. And so this is basically a once an encounter talent yes so you need to make a deception or persuasion check that's interesting that you get to choose mm. against all your foes within line of sight so not six squares line of sight and if you beat their will defense the target must withdraw on its next action or it takes a minus one penalty on attack rolls until the end of the counter my only question on this one though is what if they can't withdraw. Then or, they take then they take a minus one penalty to all. But what if they're not like in melee combat with one of your allies? Well, I, I think if they're uh, at a distance of like yeah. twenty squares, you know. Yeah, I, I, I would say that it's it's the, the way the way the general talent is worded and summaried. I, I think it means withdraw in the specific sense, but also in the general sense. So, in other words, I mean, at the point of it, raiders surge. You're basically you're you're screaming at them to freak them out. Okay, and and they back off basically, and that, if that means them moving away, moving back, um, that's that's what I would take it as, yeah. But uh, so they have to move back, but they're still going to get a standard action. So they move six squares back, and then still get a standard action and shoot at you. Sure, absolutely. Again, it, it's it's one more it's one more crowd control. There's two crowd control talents in this tree. There's that one, and of course, um, uh, keep them reeling. So. Okay. I don't like crowd control. <laughs> I don't Talent. know, man. They don't I, seem it, useful. 
I, I'm in. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what. Next time we play, I'll show you how well they are used. I don't think you'll like it very much. <laughs> um, the last talent in this tree is Take Them Alive. Um, and interestingly enough, this is really not that bloodthirsty of a talent, considering what we've seen. It's kind of the opposite. Take Them Alive. Um, basically, Dave, the preserving shot that you mentioned before with the Master Privateer from uh, Force Unleashed, this is the same thing, pretty much, except it's for a person. Um and basically, whenever you or one of you or or one of your allies within six squares reduces a target to zero hit points, you can choose to treat the foe as if he was dropped by stun damage instead. So, in other words, you, you know you're not you're not killing him. You know, there's there's a feat out there that accomplishes this as well on a personal level, but the ability to ensure that your allies don't kill anybody is. Um, I don't know. That's that's kind of interesting. Seems Wouldn't a little, that little at your odds. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know I know some people that I game with. If they if they go to strike somebody down, and all of a sudden I have an ability to keep them from doing that, they probably get pissed at me. They very well might. And this is, this is kind of a one-off. It's a really strange talent, and it's kind of at odds with the rest of the talent tree because it's very, you know, oh, take them alive. Take them a prisoner. All the rest is like, you know, you know coup de grace and move action. Ah, fight to the death. Ah, you know, so, yeah. It's kind it of seems a more fitting in the master privateer than uh, in the pirate. I would agree wholeheartedly. I would agree wholeheartedly. So, okay, let's, let's sail the high seas, guys. Let's bring this all together. Okay, so... We've gone through these two different classes with the same name. So, okay, you're you're excited about being Davy Jones with real tentacles. You know, maybe you want to play a, a Corrin. Um, maybe Captain Jack Minock, uh, drunken Twi'lek with the swagger. Oh God! Um, <laughs> maybe you've got a player who's in trance with becoming a privateer on the open stars or the vicious pegleg pirate Swantoon. Um, where do you go? Okay, the, the, the two classes here. At a glance, the Force Unleashed Master Privateer might seem like much less of a powerful class. Um, and it's certainly less sexy, I think, than, than the, the pirate talent tree in the, the uh, Scum and Villainy Master Privateer. But it is a talent tree that can do what others cannot, especially in terms of space combat, and more importantly, personal combat. Options now the the pirate found in Scum and Villainy seems to be as we've noticed here much more of a leader. You guys kept bringing up you know buffs, debuffs, stuff like that affecting their fellows. So how to integrate them? Now you asked a wonderful question at the beginning of this discussion, TG, about this very topic. First of all, as we mentioned, it is possible to qualify for both of these prestige classes. If you would like to use both of these books in your game, I recommend using them both. I think the designer's intent, and I could be wrong, I think the designer's intent, and maybe the reason they were given the same name is, with the Master Privateer found in the Force Unleashed, they specifically say, look, if you fall to the dark side, you're no longer a Master Privateer. You're a pirate. I think it is entirely possible to have a character using both these books that may fall to the dark side and can no longer take levels in the Force Unleashed Master Privateer. In other words, they can't get access to the Privateer talent tree. However, they could still take levels in the other Master Privateer, more of the piratey one, gaining access now to the pirate talent tree. Does that make sense? Yeah, but I don't think it should be contingent on falling to the dark side. Maybe you're a Master Privateer and you find out you're, I don't know, your government. Well, sure. I'm not, I'm not saying... You become a 
pirate. That's not and, the that's not the only reason you can do it. I just think that okay. the that that's potentially a reason the classes were named the same. I still think it was a very poor decision. They should have just named it pirate and been done with it. Um, but honestly, I, I recommend using them both. I think if a player qualifies for both, let him choose whether to take talents from the privateer or the pirate talent tree. Um, I think these can be molded into one fairly succinctly. However, at the point they do fall to the dark side, I think that privateer talent tree should no longer be available to them. That so, makes sense. Yeah, that's kind of my two cents on it. Um, accessing this, moving towards it, obviously Scoundrel is pretty much the way to go. You have to do it. The, the talent prerequisites for this are all Scoundrel prereqs. You've got to have at least three levels in Scoundrel to get those two talents that you're going to need. Um, as far as feats, what are you the best at? You're a really good deceiver. You're probably potentially a really good persuader. And you're a really good pilot. Skill focuses are probably going to be at the top of your list. And then, of course, depending on the talents you're going to take, you're going to want to bone up on various feats that enhance that. As we mentioned earlier, weapon proficiency, advanced melee weapons, dual weapon mastery, things of that nature. Um, I also think, and correct me if I'm wrong, guys, I think Noble might be an excellent fit if you're going to go especially into the uh, the pirate um, Pi- the, the piracy talent tree because of all the, the quote-unquote leadership abilities you get. Yeah, buffing, definitely. Buffing, yeah. So similar to the way a noble scoundrel could fit for crime lord, I think a noble scoundrel could fit really well if you're going into the pirate. Um, so yeah, pretty, pretty easy. Whereas I think a scoundrel soldier is much of a better fit for the uh, master privateer itself. Yeah. So, yeah. Dude. That's my two cents, and I hope that uh, stimulates your creative muscles somewhat and encourages you to get out there and uh, sail the open stars and, uh, you know, find a port of call. Oh, yeah. Maybe uh, a pirate now. (laughs) (laughs) And I I know of some great Reaper minis to paint for that character, too. Oh. Very nice. Very nice. Strong. Yes. Yep. As Dave plays the sad music. It just means it's the end of the show. It is. It is. It's been a long show, but thank you guys for listening and tuning in. I'm glad we finally got to this discussion. I know it's been a long time coming. Um, I want to thank everyone who contributed to the show. Uh, Brian, Fiddleback, of course, on our forums. Um, and, uh, of course, um, uh, 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 the guys from Fragments from the Rim. Uh, it was absolutely fantastic, as always. Alex and, and Trevor. Alex and Trev. Thank you. Um, and, uh, of course, my, my wonderful co-hosts, uh, Dave and Tweet That Goodness. If you guys have any questions for the Order 66 podcast you'd like answered, please send them to us at uh, gmchris at d20radio.com or gmdave at d20radio.com. And uh, you can also call us. Where, Dave? Area code 206-600-5872. Leave your bumpers. Ask your questions. We had a bunch this week again, so I'm very, very happy we've had like five or six for the last three shows. And this week is no exception. We had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So it was great. <laughs> it was absolute greatness. You guys keep them coming. We love to hear from you. Absolutely. I, I Darth John, please send us more. <laughs> I tell love us, it. And tell us how old you are, just because I'm curious. <laughs> Very nice. Well, thank you guys again for listening. Thank you, chat room. Uh, this is GM Chris signing off, wishing you peace, love, and good gaming. And um, what's Tweet That Goodness going to say? Well, I think she has to go. say it after you. Yeah, you go, Dave. Keep them dice rolling. And make sure they're full of the force. Oh, my name don't come. 
What the heck did he just say? <laughs> oh, no. I don't know either. Uh, hey, hey, Amanda, this is Steel Frog. We didn't have to break up over that. I was praying. I never listened to the Order 66 podcast. D20 Radio, where gamers roll www.d20radio.com This podcast and related websites are not endorsed by Lucasfilm Limited, 20th Century Fox, or Wizards of the Coast and are intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. The official Star Wars site can be found at starwars.com. The official Wizards of the Coast site can be found at wizards.com. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, D20 logo, D20 system references, all named pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademark and or copyright of Lucasfilm Limited, Wizards of the Coast, or their respective trademark and copyright holders. All original content of this podcast and its related website, including graphical, textual, audio, and visual information is the intellectual property of the Order 66 podcast. 